Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Ralph, can I help you? Hey Felix, just wanted to check on you. I saw a big uh, explosion or something go over, over the building there. Oh, those were just fireworks. Fireworks, okay. <laughs> Somebody's birthday or? Well, it's more of an anniversary, the 30th anniversary of our game, actually. What? Is that today? I know. Oh, I'm such a dummy with dates. Anyway, uh, congratulations. Thank you, Ralph. And to you, too. Hi, <laughs> <sighs> uh, just a heads up, Felix. They're bringing out the cake in a few shakes. Hey, Glenn. I'm Ralph. Cake? Heard about this cake stuff. <laughs> Never had it. No one ever seems to throw it out, so I ne it never ends up in the dump. I never actually tasted it. Uh, yes. Always wanted to try cake. Uh, I don't suppose you'd like to come in and have a slice, would you? Hey, yo, everybody! Good evening, and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. Oh, whoa. Hey. I'm a Hunting. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. And welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. So, Philip, what have you been watching since our last podcast? Well, Kirsten and I recently sat down and watched a movie that sadly we missed when it came out in cinemas mm -hmm. called Christopher Robin. Oh, that is a beautiful film with, I have seen. With Ewan McGregor. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It's really bittersweet. Yeah. It's got that sort of... So so basically, it's the idea that they follow the fictional Christopher Robin mm. into adulthood. You know, one of these sort of forgotten childhoods, mm. forgotten innocent, innocence lost, all that sort of stuff. And then he sort of comes back into it and his friends come and find him again and all that sort of beautiful stuff. And whilst it's really beautiful, it's also really sad. It has that balance of comedy and tragedy, doesn't yes. it? Yes. And it does it so well, but it is very heartfelt, very emotive. It is gorgeous. I love the first time that we see Eeyore. He is yeah. uh, suiciding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very, very badly at it. <laughs> and uh, Just leave me. And Winnie the Pooh has probably one of my all-time favourite lines I have ever heard was that you know he sort of looks into the forest and he goes oh what a miserable day i wish eeyore was here to enjoy it yeah <laughs> i just think that that's gorgeous <laughs> yeah love that line it had me in hysterics but you and your beautiful partner kirsten enjoyed the film yes yeah, very much enjoyed a it. lovely one um how about yourself well, I decided to revisit a franchise Ooh. recently, my all-time favourite animated franchise, which is Toy Story. Ooh, yes. very nice. So I've done the Toy Story quadrilogy. Nice. And I just fills me up with warm and fuzzies. It's such Beautiful. a lovely testament to friendship and loyalty. And I just, yeah, am a child all over again. And part two gets me watery-eyed. Mm -hmm. There's that beautiful ballad that plays in the middle of it. Yep. And then the ending of part three, Pass Me the Tissues. It is just gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. So I absolutely love the Toy Story franchise. So I thought I'd revisit them. Beautiful. So Philip, what are we reviewing today? Today we're reviewing the 2012 Disney animated gamer flick, Wreck-It Ralph. Tell us about it, Janet. <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph, directed by Rich Moore, 
tells the story of Ralph, John C. Riley, who is the bad guy of the arcade game Fix-It Felix Jr. In this world, arcade games are connected to each other via the power cables, plugged into the terminal, where they can commute and interact with one another. Being fed up with his life as the bad guy, Ralph seeks to prove himself as a hero. Finding himself lost in the racing game Sugar Rush, he discovers a dark secret surrounding racing outcast Vanellope von Schwitz, Sarah Silverman, and inadvertently becomes the hero he so wanted to be. Wayne. Philip. What were your thoughts? Well, I'd seen Rick at Ralph once before, and I remember enjoying it, but probably not getting that much out of it. I think I just enjoyed it more on the superficial level. Yep. So revisiting it again today was quite a treat. Actually, yeah, it was quite lovely. I think quite uh, the sweet treat. Quite the sweet treat, yes. And I think when you go into a film specifically for the purpose of critique and review, mm. you do pay more attention to the intricate details and so forth. So myself, not being a gamer, really, there's a lot of stuff that I think I have completely missed and have gone over my head. So the true testament to a film such as Wreck It Ralph is: can you still enjoy it? if you're not getting all of the pop culture Mm. references. So I was very pleasantly surprised, although not so surprised, to be honest. But it was really pleasing to see that, yes, I did enjoy it a lot. It has such a beautiful colour palette. It's gorgeous to look at. The characters are instantly relatable. Mm. Like, opening with Ralph's monologue, you're on his side straight away. And Felix Jr. is by far the most adorable character I have ever seen everywhere. He is so gorgeous. So there really aren't any, you know, bad guys in Ralph's world, I suppose. You can see their perspectives. And so this is the hook that the film needs to get an audience on side to then follow everyone in their respective journeys. Mm -hmm. It was a pleasure to watch. Yes, it was quite delightful, actually. Um, it, it's got a very clear message. It's got a very clear story. It's Disney doing what they do well, Yeah, I suppose. So, yeah, I actually found myself quite enjoying Wreck-It Ralph. A lot more than I thought I would the second time around. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's very interesting you say about, you know, not being a gamer. Because one of the main things this movie actually does... You'd think being a movie about games and having all these pop culture references, mm. the three games that we actually go into would be actual games. Yeah. They're not. No. For example, Fix-It Felix Jr. is not actually a real game, but it is based on Jumpman or what then became known as Donkey Kong. Right. Which we sort of now know as, you know, the early Mario yes, sort absolutely. of game. With that sort of pixelated, <laughs> rising the levels yeah. and beating the boss on the on the top. Yes. We then have uh, Hero Duty. Yes. Which is, again, sort of based on those first-person shooters, 3D mm. graphics. You go through as on a very linear sort of path. Yeah. Um, is it similar to Call of Duty? Very similar, yes. Yeah. That's, that's where the name derivative is. Yeah. And um, the sort of shooting bugs is that sort of generic Halo or uh, yeah. uh, even that movie um, Starship Troopers right. sort of vibe. Yes. And then you have Sugar Rush, yes. which is obviously very uh, uh, Mario Kart inspired. Yes. I mean, with looking at the different characters that pop up, because obviously I think it's clever to 
have games that are familiar but are original because that means you're not restricted in the characters that you're using to tell a particular story. Mm. But people who are watching who do play games, and look, we've all we all play games as kids. Like I used to play arcade games. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game was my yeah. favorite <laughs> yeah. as a kid. Yeah. So, and I think what they've done specifically to have these three non-actual games, non-descript mm. games, not only does it you know fix any copyright issues or exactly you can do your own story in that, but they've used three very specific genres. Yes. So that old school gamers understand Racket Ralph. Yes. New hardcore action shooters understand Call of Duty, and new age casual gamers get Sugar Rush. Yes, and I think. We've all been exposed to these sorts of games at some stage or have seen them before that even if you're not a gamer at all, you can still appreciate it and what it's trying to do. Also, what's clever is because it is using gaming, I guess, as a a window into this narrative, it references and depicts characters from assorted games. So I didn't recognise... 95% of the background characters in this film. But I know the Mario Kart characters. Yeah. I know the Pac-Man characters. I know the Street Fighter characters. Those classic ones that you grow up with. So I think, similar to what DreamWorks did with Shrek, is having you know original characters and then supporting it with established ones from other sources and, and fairy tales, Wreck-It Ralph does something quite similar and it does it quite successfully, I think. Most certainly. And if we go into some of those sort of cameos, the movie actually plays very smartly with their cameos. So they only have them... Not only are they sort of ripping off these other games to uh, stand in as our our games that we know, but they do have actual cameos from real-life games. Yes. So you have your Dr. Eggman and Sonic from the Sonic series. That's right. You have... The fighters from Street Fighter. You actually have Street Fighter That's right. um, put up. Yeah. You also have Bowser <laughs> from Mario, just as a tiny cameo. One tiny, just a little tiny bit of trivia that I find fascinating. It doesn't really go into a broader story, but Bowser was actually added very late into the movie. Okay. Because they couldn't get any permissions from Nintendo right. to use their characters. Now, you'll note that there's quite a few times characters are mentioned. Yes. I.e. Mario's mentioned plenty of times. Right. Because you're allowed to mention a character. Of course. You're just not allowed to use their likeness. Right. But Bowser was allowed to go in? Last minute, Nintendo came to the uh, They said, the okay, field. Not, they, have, they, not, not have Mario, Luigi, or Princess Peach, but yeah, you well, can that's have Bowser. It. Well, you, you do actually see two nondescript princesses <laughs> walking in the background of the terminal at one point. Yes, you do, actually. They are not <laughs> Daisy or Peach. <laughs> but similar are, enough that you might think of Daisy that's and Peach. Exactly. Yeah. They allowed them to use both Bowser... Mm-hmm. And the Nintendo controller for the um, password. Oh, on that's the right. Safe. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's why we see the Nintendo logo part of the contract. Because Nint- this is the thing: Nintendo are very, very protective of their works, yeah, which is great. It means it doesn't get bastardized. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. That's it. At the very end, last minute, sort of thing, came to the table and said, "Look, we actually like what you've done. You've shown us some really good stuff." We'll give you one character and we'll let you put our logo in there. Yeah. And the movie, I think, 
did it so well. Absolutely. And they, they could and, have chosen Mario. Yeah. They didn't. They chose Bowser, which is brilliant. And the way that Bowser is used is just amazing. Like, my just heart melts when I see Bowser in this support group. Yeah. And he's just <laughs> holding a cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chatting to other bad guys. And look, for Nintendo, it works out really well. Because yeah. you've got a recognizable character who's an established villain that, you know, we love to fight against in, yeah, the, yeah. in the Mario games. And they get this advertising in a Disney film. Yeah. That, if anything, Nintendo should have paid them. Well, yeah, <laughs> really. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that Bowser doesn't speak. We hear him, you know, grunt and growl. Um, he says the oath with the other characters as well, but he's not, like, distinctive. We don't particularly know that. So they've done that quite well in terms of they've treaded carefully to use him in a manner that is true to form. They haven't played around with him or his characteristics too much. And I suppose if you're getting to that much trouble to get (laughs) permission to use a character, you are going to be extraordinarily respectful and not play around too much with him. So, other than the obvious game themes and uh, nostalgia themes, Mm. we do get this sort of theming of outcasts and and good versus bad and, and people's roles within their world i sort of wanted to know what your thoughts on that was well that's the main core Mm. to the to the story really isn't it we've Mm. got ralph who feels ostracized from the people within the game that he's involved in his world really he plays the bad guy Mm. for the purposes of arcade but for some reason he doesn't feel like a bad guy no he doesn't feel like a bad guy but also once the game is off for the night once all the kids go home it's not like everyone else's mates. People still stay segregated. Yeah. Now that I find interesting because you get the feel that every other game sort of has this, you know, once everyone switches off, they go, oh, yeah, see you later, Charlie. Well, yeah, it's kind of the big distinction between, say, this and Toy Story. And mm. I will refer to Toy Story because when the film began and, and you can see... Once, you know, the coins are inserted. All right, everyone, like, you know, places We're everyone, rah, yeah. rah, And then they play. The game's over. They're like, okay. They sort of chill until the next coin's inserted. Back to places. It's very much of, like Toy Story, Andy's coming back to original places. And Andy, who is the the main protagonist in most of the Toy Story films, who drives the narratives of what these toys do, yeah. i.e. their play... He has heroes and villains and so forth. Now, the toys in Toy Story themselves don't always get along. Ham and Mr. Potato Head are notoriously a bit mean sometimes <laughs> to Woody. But it's not for the purposes of just being a bad guy or a good no, guy. It's just, just like how character. characters, like how normal friends and personalities might clash. So I found it interesting that when the gameplay finished in Wreck-It Ralph... The bad guys were still the bad guys. We're still treated as bad guys. There was no distinction whatsoever. It's like, you can't play with us because you wreck everything. Mm. Now, this is a talent for Ralph, but it's seen very much for a negative. Yeah. And, I mean, again, we have this idea. It's not as if that's impossible for the world because we see at the end where they change it up. Yeah, exactly. I find it really fascinating, this idea of not only Ralph learning his place in the world mm. or, or, or which even saying that out loud sounds horrific. Yeah. You know your place. Yeah. But it is this sort of idea of, yes, you might be for me. It's this sort of, it's this double edged side of things. Mm. Yes. You are special, unique and you 
have a place in this world and yeah. should not be ostracized for it. No. On the other side, you can't do everything. Not everyone can be everything. No. And everyone's got a place in the world is almost what it's trying to say. Yeah, I think the main message is that everyone serves their purpose. Yeah. So, for example... For Which could be seen as a good or a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes we might not like our place in the world. And, look, Ralph doesn't like his place mm. in the world. He feels ostracised. He wants to be the one that gets celebrated for mm. once. He wants that shiny medal. He wants validation. Mm. And throughout the film, he's fighting for shiny medal originally. And yeah. then it's for this little girl and all of these different things. But... He wants to feel valid. And, you know, the resolution of the film is that he gets validation not by winning a medal, but by the friendship he's got. You know, by somebody who's saying, like, I see you're a good guy. And that's all he kind of needs. He wants that validation that I'm a bad guy in the game, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. Yeah, Uh, I find interesting the townsfolk, the building folk. <laughs> who are the real villains who in that world? Let's be honest. Because yeah. yeah. they ostracize yeah. him. And they, to me, outside of wrapping up the movie, yeah. they actually don't, to me, learn a lesson. Because no. you have that final guy just sort of sitting in in, in the, <laughs> the place when Ralph gets back. Yeah. And he's like, look, look what you've done. You, you've shut our game down. When to me it'd almost be, oh, thank God you're back. Yeah, he, he was. You know what it was, I suppose? In that moment, mm. Ralph is being punished for questioning his place, I suppose, and pursuing something different. Mm. So he's being punished for not recognizing his role in the world because it's like, well, you wanted the penthouse, now you've got it. Yeah. You've gotten what you wanted, it's lonely here. Mm. Yeah, it's. I'm in two minds about that moment, Philip, because you could say, well, okay, Ralph, learn your lesson, you know, mm. you were important. Yeah. But what almost drives more is he was lonely before. Yeah. So it's very much a, the grass isn't any greener on the other side. Yeah. But he's no real, really better one way or the yeah. other at that point, I feel. At that point, at which almost to me drives a message. You see, the more I'm thinking about this, the more the core message almost just falls apart with mm. any form of criticism. Yeah. It's almost as if people didn't want you to talk about it. No, <laughs> no but it, it's, it's just, it is such a bad message without that resolution. Yeah, if that I, makes sense. Well, I don't think it's a story about hegemony, but it reminded me of a line from DreamWorks' The Prince of Egypt when, you know, Moses questions, I guess, where he yeah. belongs, and the man who would end up being his father-in-law mm. says a piece of string doesn't realise how important it is to a tapestry. Yeah. You know, now, I've paraphrased that ridiculously. But no, no, but I get it what is, you're saying. It is yeah. like, you know, every small stone has its place, yeah. for example. So I think it's really trying to drive home the idea of accepting yeah. who you are because there's nothing wrong with being yeah. the bad guy in this world. It's probably more of a commentary on how the townsfolk treat yeah. him. Felix is the exception. He is the people pleaser, isn't he? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And, and this is something I actually almost would have liked. Just an extra minute, mm. literally an extra minute of this film at the end to maybe show... Because it shows the townsfolk liking Ralph at the end. And that's the only way that we know they've learned. That's it. That's I kind of want them yeah. to have a bit more of a learning... 
thing because again you're right they to me are the villains of this whole thing yeah they drive him out they drive him out they are the ones who treat him badly even Felix tries says hey look I'm going to regret this, but come in and have some cake. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's that sort of, if they just treated him a bit nicer, mm. he'd be able to accept. Because again, he doesn't want to be the hero. He thinks he wants that. Yeah. But in the end, he's like, I don't want to be the hero. I just want to be liked. Yeah, exactly. He- I just want to, you know, have a nice place. Yeah. Be accepted. Be accepted. And, at- and you know what? I think Ralph's motivations for leaving the game mm. altogether for go on turbo mm. i guess mm. is so warranted yeah because if it was for any other reason that they were meeting up in the penthouse and having a celebration you would be like oh come on ralph kind of get over it but it is an anniversary of the game that they mm. exist in and if he wasn't part of it would not be, be a thing which is what you know they learned the following day yeah, type yeah. thing it's just an extraordinary thing. And I think that reiterates him as an outcast yeah. and him needing to feel valid. Again, his opening monologue, I'm on side with him straight away. Yeah. I get him. I get the loneliness. I get the need for acceptance, yeah. for friendship, for validation. I get all of it. Mm. So Ralph is never at fault, mm. in my opinion, yeah. for what he does. He has this one-track mind, so to yeah. speak. The way he goes about it might be a bit sort of... It's questionable. It's questionable. But you but never it's... dislike him for it. No, that's you it. Never, like, I, I never criticise him for no, it. No, definitely not. I do question... One thing that I do question is... So, <laughs> they were going to destroy the game. So, one of the par- what we're talking about here is that the arcade manager goes to switch off the game and delete it and destroy it because it's glitching. Yeah. Yet, at the end of the show, all the homeless games come into Wreck-It Ralph for the bonus levels. <laughs> yes. How does the manager not look at that and go, well, that's that's not right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he just says, oh, okay, you know, this little girl who's been playing and so forth is like, oh, wow, she's clocked a bonus level that no one's ever gotten to. Oh, this, oh, all these other characters come into it. Oh, that actually yeah, be- is it. Because, because I've just remembered. Just, through Vanellope that, yeah. you know, all of this stuff happens. Yeah. Well, yeah, not just that, but yeah, there's um, there are actually plenty of games in the world that still a lot of their secrets haven't been unlocked. Wow. Last year, there was a game that had come out in the mid-80s. Mm. And someone had unlocked something and... Yeah, everyone's just like, where was that? How was that? Yeah. And they went back into, you know, the people that made it. And they said, yeah, we've been waiting for you to find that. (laughs) It was just a tiny little bit of thing. But, you know, it'd been, what, 30, 40 years or whatever it's been. End of the day, going back to it, I like a lot of the themes that this plays with. It plays with the idea, again, with Vanellope, Mm. how she's this outcast, really bullied, really picked on. Severely. Severely picked on, to the point that they're trying to delete her. I mean, we understand why in the end. And you can't really, I guess, then blame the town folk for it, I no, suppose, because it. she threatened. She looks like a threat to them. Yeah, Her own it. existence could destroy, destroy their the game, world. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of the character of Vanellope overall as, a, I guess, a female protagonist? I I really enjoyed her. I definitely feel she fits a demographic. I yes. I definitely feel she fits a very particular 
age group sort mm. of you know giggling over duty i like that the lollies in her hair look like dandruff like i just yeah. i feel, it looks like she's got dandruff yeah. and i just kind of think there's that you know she's not a princess that sort of makes that twist a bit more yeah oh okay you know all the characters on this show i think are very well designed oh my goodness they are... yes they're so beautiful to look yes. at aren't they yeah, absolutely. Like, I think... I mean, we've got, I guess, the four main heroes of, you know, Wreck-It Ralph, Vanellope, Fix-It Felix, and Sergeant Tamora. I love those characters. I think they're all so well done. Jane Lynch, especially, as yeah. Sergeant Tamora Jean Calhoun, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is yeah. just fantastic. And Jane Lynch is one of those performers that when you hear her voice, you just know it's her straight away. And the character actually even resembles her. So when she does yes. facial expressions, you're like, you can see it. And yeah. it is just absolutely gorgeous. So good. And her dynamics, her rapport, her scenes with Fixer Felix are my favorite in the film. Yeah. I have to say for me, if we're looking at say character designs, character dynamics and their place in this world, Fixer Felix Jr., kind of overshadows everyone for me. Yeah. He's he's the one I'm drawn to. Yeah. And um, Sergeant Calhoun, once she enters the picture, you're just there. It's a thing that can happen, can't it? When you've yeah. got such great supporting characters, they tend to overshadow the protagonists a bit. Yep. And I actually find that then Ralph and Vanellope's storyline almost pales in comparison. Yeah. It's not quite as interesting. Yeah. But this is the message That's in the message That's what you're going to get with the most tragic backstory ever <laughs> Isn't that gorgeous? Oh, it's though? beautiful. <laughs> and I'll tell you now, she's got some of the best non-swearing oh, yes. I've ever heard. You chuckled a lot, didn't so you? Good. <laughs> like fun we are. Like fun we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz yeah. both have TV releases which are censored. For example, you get things like Mother Fudger. Yeah. Peas and rice. Um, <laughs> really? That's yeah, the TV yeah. version? That's the TV version. It's hilarious. It's what? on the DVD extras. Wow. <laughs> is that legit though? Or that is it, it, no, it is not legit. just a gag for it the DVD? It is legit. There are certain... I think it was very specifically for the American releases as well because there are certain networks in America yeah, that true. will not... Yes. Allow... Unless it's cable, I suppose. Unless it's cable, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that um, reminds me of when they released Scarface on TV. So Scarface is a, is a classic gangster movie from 1983. At that time, it held the record for the most F-words in a film and wasn't beaten for about another 10 years. Yeah. And on the DVD, they show scenes of how they were able to present it on TV to yeah. pair back the violence and the language. So, for example, when Al Pacino is in Miami, they're looking around at all these beautiful women and they're just like, the town is a chicken waiting to be plucked. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, and it's funny, you go, okay, it works for network television. Yeah. It doesn't quite have the same effect, does no, it? No, that's yeah. it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, she has some of the best yeah. fudged lines. <laughs> As it were. Yeah, it's fun because that means she still comes across as being tough, but yeah. not being offensive. But speaking about like swear words, isn't there a moment where Felix says something like, he says the word boo or something and then excuses himself for using such offensive language? Yes, yes. It's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. <laughs> but I guess it's true. It then goes to the demographics. So not only That's are these it. characters in this film designed for, to appeal to specific demographics, but it's reflectant on the games that they're in. That's it, yeah. And the demographics that they appeal to. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very cleverly written in that regard. And I love how the games... Again, it's that Toy Story syndrome mm. of... 
knowing who they are. Yes. Knowing what they are. I, I'm not a huge fan of movies that try to be like, oh, I don't know I'm in a game. Or, yeah. Oh, I don't know I'm in a... They own it. They love it. You know, they, it. It's, it's, it's their job. It's their role. Yeah. And I think that's probably also, again, driving home the message of the movie for Ralph to learn. This is your job. This is yeah. your role in the, in this world. That's you know, it. don't be ashamed of it. Embrace it. Yeah, that's you do it. it well. It can't function without you. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Overall, Wayne. Yes. What are your final thoughts and a score out of five? Well, I really enjoyed revisiting Wreck It Ralph. As again, I had seen it before, liked it, but didn't particularly love it. This time round, I found it a lot more fun. I was, yeah. I found it quite engaging. It probably runs a little bit longer than it needs to. But in saying that, don't ask me what scenes I would cut or trim because I can't really pinpoint it. But it just feels a little bit long. I love the character design in this. I love the colours. I love how they just use, you know, traditional storytelling tropes and narratives because, look, it's aimed for a younger demographic, but it means that adults can also enjoy it. Throughout the whole film... Ralph relies on his skills. Like, his skills are so important for him to go on his journey. And in the scene where Felix is in prison, his skills that are so celebrated in his own world are useless in that prison cell. And it's Ralph's skills that help move the story forward. So there are little touches to keep reminding us and to indicate, especially to younger viewers, that Ralph is important and his skills that he and others might see as a negative are really a positive. Because, you know, that party scene tells us his big hands and his size and everything is actually a negative because he, you know, is breaking the, the furniture, the room, the cake, all of these different things. So it's a message movie. It's what Disney does, yep. <laughs> but they but they do it well. And this one does look beautiful. I think the way that they've created this world of arcade games is lovely. I like it that we are taken out of it every now and then so that we get the human's point of view from it. I think that's really clever. I love the way they go from one arcade game to the other. Again, really clever. They've got a lot of imagination going on here and it reflects beautifully on screen. It's a fun movie. Yeah. I actually quite enjoyed it. So... Because of Fix It Felix Jr., it gets elevated to a 4 out of 5. Yeah. <laughs> How about yourself, Philip? Um, I really enjoy this movie. I've yet to see the sequel. Mm, R- uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. <laughs> if I'd make a quick comparison mm. to this movie to another game movie called Pixels with right. Adam Sandler, I would say this movie does right what... Pixels does wrong. Yeah, I haven't seen Pixels, but I hear it's horrendous. Yeah, so the big problem with Pixels, where this movie does have a lot of product placement, does have Mm. a lot of other characters, they never, ever make that overshadow anything else. Yeah. Pixels is all about, hey, you remember (laughs) Pac-Man? You love Pac-Man, we've got (laughs) Pac-Man. Oh, you remember that obscure game? Well, we were able to buy the rights to it, so now we're going to feature it super heavily. Right. And it is just... Product placement central. Product placement central for things that you can't even get now, so why are we trying to sell it? <laughs> so, yeah, it's just this horrendous mash of poorly placed nostalgia mm. and... Really, the story, whereas here you're integrated with the other characters and you love seeing, oh, that's that's that guy, and oh, yeah. look, there's him. This one, those characters are the bad guys of this world, okay. and, and they're invading, and it's just really 
badly put together. The idea that these gamers, oh, you played Pac-Man, so you know how to save the world now. And then almost instantly everyone fails miserably because it's not the game console, it's the real world. Yeah. It's just bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, on the other hand, does it so well. It mixes nostalgia for the older audience and wonderment for the younger audience. Mm. I'm with you. I'd give it a four out of five. Nice one. So, Wayne, what have you got in store for us next time? Well, Philip, I thought we'd stick with a bit of nostalgia and revisit one of my favourite movies from my childhood. Next time, we're going over the rainbow to celebrate the 80th anniversary of The Wizard of Oz. Beautiful. Cannot wait. Yes, this should be a great episode. So until then, I've been Wayne Cellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Dun, 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 dun. Seriously, every time. Gotta go fast! Gotta go fast! Gotta go fast and faster! Gotta go fast! Back in your box, Philip. And scene! Blooper reel! Alright, beautiful boy. Kick off with a hello and I'll end with a whoa. <laughs> it's my only way to channel share in these. <laughs> At least you got yourself a blooper reel. Uh, oh, this can't make the cut. It's not funny. It's it's, ah! it's serious. It's business talk. It business, business, business. Mm. business. And uh, all due respect, Philip, to you, um, you don't need to try to give me a blooper reel. You just I'm about do. to get this in one. No, no, I'm not gonna. <laughs> not gonna. I want that declaration now nope, while I'm still nope, recording. Nope, nope, what are you going nope. to do, Philip? I'm going to mess it up and give you plenty <laughs> of bloopers. All the bloop. All the bloopers in the world. <laughs> Being fed up with his life as the bad guy, Ralph seeks to prove himself as a hero. Finding himself lost in the racing game Sugar Rush, he discovers a dark secret... So close. Wreck-It Ralph, directed by Rich Moore, tells the story of Ralph. Ralph. In this world, arcade games are connected to each other via the power cables. Plugged into the terminal... In this world, arcade games are connected to... You fucking jinxed me, Wayne. (laughs) I didn't say anything. Thank you very much. In this world, arcade games are connected to each other via the power cables, plugged into the terminal, where they can commute and interact with one another. Being fed up with his life as a... Being fed up with his life as the bad guy... Ralph seeks to prove himself as a hero. Finding himself lost in the racing game Sugar Rush, he discovers a dark secret surrounding racing outcast Vanellope von Schweetz, Sir Sarah Silverman, and in and inadvertently becomes the hero he so wants to be. I'm going to go from the top. Okay. And Schweetz, yeah. Schweetz, yeah. Schweetz, Schweetz. Shreddy, Shreddy. Shreets. In this world, arcade games are connected to each other via the power cables. Fix-It Felix Jr. is not a real game, mm. yet it is more based on the basic old cut. Oh. 
So, within this movie, we do get some really, well, Disney-esque themes. <laughs> yes. Um, those... Sorry, I've lost my notes. I was on Mickey. I'm trying to find something else. Do you know, I think if I want to try to put a positive spin on it, because I don't think it is a story about he- um, hegemony. Mm. Hegemony. <laughs> I don't think it's a story about hegemony, but I feel like that it's almost... Let me start that again, because I know what I want to say, and I will use words. There are actually plenty of games in the world that still a lot of their secrets haven't been unlocked. Wow. So last year... I I am so sorry, because I'm going to give you a half story here, which I know you love. Yes. Last year... I would ask that you leave it off... (laughs) Leave it completely. Last year, there was a game that had come out in the mid-80s. And someone had unlocked something. And, yeah, everyone was just like, where was that? How was that? Yeah. And they went back into, you know, the people that made it. And they said, yeah, we've been waiting for you to find that. (laughs) It was just a tiny little bit of thing. But, you know, it'd been, what, 30, 40 years or whatever it's been. Do I ask what the game is? No. (laughs) Okay. That's the bit I can't remember. Sure. Research. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, come on. I'm just... No, I don't want it now. I'm just saying that, that it, you sprung a thing. I can't think that this is going to come up in... Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um. Don't look at me. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um... One word for you. Zulu. Uh, um, (laughs) 25 takes. um, Happy New Year 2020. (laughs) Shut up, I'm trying to remember where I was. It's like that when you... So, um, uh, Shaun of the Dead Mm. and... uh, um, So, Wayne, what have you got for us next time? Well, next time, Philip, I know we've been talking about nostalgia, so we are going to go for a big nostalgia trip. You and I are going to go over the rainbow because next time we're reviewing The Wizard of Oz. Beautiful. Yes. A absolute classic. That's so bad. We need to do that again. Yes. Let me get that right. No, I'll acknowledge it's anniversary. It's 80. Yeah. yeah. It's 80. It's 80. Yeah. Okay, cool.